But verse 12 in the King James Version gives us this phrase that we hear a lot around the church if you've been around the church very, uh, very long at all, and it is this. It's a still, small voice. What in the world does that mean? I love the way the New Living Translation gives it to us. It's the sound of a gentle whisper. You understand that, don't you? The sound of a gentle whisper. Lord God, you know all my ways. You know. Terry Knight and the pastor here at New Life Community Church. And I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust as always that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here around the Word of God for the next several moments. We're going to get into a brand new teaching tonight. It deals with the subject of, and I know this is going to shock you, the subject of prayer. Seems like something we talk about quite a bit on New Life, and there is a reason for that. And I want to introduce this tonight by asking this, what do you know about prayer? What do you know about prayer? Now, perhaps there's some of you saying, I don't know that much about prayer, and others are like, well, I've got a pretty good handle on this. Well, one of the text passages that we want to go to is going to tell us something that's kind of sobering. Uh, as you think about it. We're titling this, The Sound of the Lord. In fact, uh, I would want to ask you as well, as we get started, have you ever heard, or do you know, do you recognize the sound of the Lord? It's important that you know and understand the sound of the Lord. Our text passage actually is taken out of Genesis chapter 3, but I'm going to read another a marginal passage as we get going because it kind of answers the question, what do you know about prayer? Romans. Go with me to Romans, the book, uh, book of Romans, chapter 8 and verse number 26. And the latter part of the verse says this. Listen to this. We do not know what we ought to pray. We do not know what we ought to pray. Then how do we do it? That's a great question. We're going to seek uh, to find out the answer to that. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for each one that has tuned in our telecast, whether they're live or listening to it later. And I pray in Jesus' name that by your word you would teach us some things, help us to know and understand this essential element of our Christian experience, our communication with you. I pray, I ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. Our Heavenly Father, by His precious Holy Spirit, began to impress upon my spirit just a few days ago that I should teach you this morning on the subject of prayer. Prayer. Now, I'm going to ask a whole lot of questions today, and I would encourage you to answer those questions in your own heart, if not actually recording some of these answers on your study notes. The very first one is right here. Check this out. What do you know about prayer?
What do you know about prayer? Everyone knows what it is, right? Everyone. But seldom is prayer simply defined or I might say practically described. In his timeless classic, The Necessity of Prayer, E.M. Bounds, Edward McKenzie Bounds, stated, and I quote, It was claimed for Augustus Caesar that he found Rome a city of wood and left it a city of marble. The pastor who succeeds in changing his people from a prayerless to a prayerful people has done a greater work than did Augustus in changing a city from wood to marble. I agree with that. A little later, Mr. Bounds stated this. Again, I'm quoting. Listen very carefully to this. The Spirit little s, the spirit, perhaps attitude, the spirit of a pilgrim. Everybody say pilgrim. Greatly facilitates praying. What do you know about praying? I'm talking to you of some things about prayer this morning. Mr. Bounds helps us understand the spirit of a pilgrim greatly facilitates praying. And he adds something to that to help us understand what he's talking about. An earth-bound, earth-satisfied spirit cannot pray. This was a man of prayer attempting to help us understand some things about prayer. Let me do that one more time. An earth-bound, earth-satisfied spirit cannot pray, end quote. I'll agree with Mr. Bounds. He makes clear in that little volume, and these are my words, not his, I'm not quoting, but he makes clear that prayer is, watch, here's this big old word, but he makes clear that prayer is inextricably related to faith. Can you say faith? Write faith on your study notes out there somewhere. F-A-I-T-H, dot the I, cross the T. Check this out. The Bible, the Word of God, makes very clear without faith, it is impossible. It is not possible to please God. Are you listening to me, church? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you want to please God, what do you need to have? You need to have faith. So we can extrapolate from that without prayer, which is connected to faith. Without prayer, it is impossible to follow and find and serve God in this present existence. Doesn't that just make sense? It does. Everyone from uh, the ancient philosophers I've discovered this week in my studies, everyone from the ancient philosophers to the likes of Mother Teresa to the presidents, the United States uh, presidents to wartime generals, all of those and more have offered their opinions and their opining with regards to prayer. 
Now, I attempted to find a kind of a pithy way to put that in front of you this morning. Uh, and what I ended up with, I really felt led in this direction. Probably no one captured the essence of prayer more eloquently and yet simplistically than the hymn writer, Mr. James Montgomery. You may be familiar with some of his work, may not. He was given the task, and it's important for you to understand where this is coming from. He was given the task of writing a hymn for a sermon, a minister friend asked him to write this hymn to describe prayer. And here it is. Prayer is the soul's sincere desire. There are six verses. I want to give you a couple of them. Prayer is the soul's sincere desire, unuttered or expressed, the motion of a hidden fire that trembles in the breast. Prayer is the burden of a sigh, the falling of a tear, the upward glancing of an eye when none but God is near. Prayer is the simplest form of speech that infant lips can try. Prayer is the sublimest strains that reach the majesty on high. Prayer, listen to this, is the Christian's vital breath. Oh, indeed it is. The Christian's native air their watchword at the gates of death, they enter heaven with prayer. Prayer's the soul's sincere desire. What an eloquent way to express that to us. So, I'm back to my original question this morning. What do you know about prayer? Let's just pretend that after the service, you and I lock up out in the foyer and I say to you, Hey, what can you tell me about prayer? What are you going to tell me? I find it interesting that Paul says this, and you can find it in Romans chapter 8. Paul says, we do not know what we ought to pray. It's fascinating to me. We do not know what we ought to pray. Now, right now, we've already arrived at number two on your study notes. We're just breezing right along. Can I get an amen right there? I want you to fill in, or I, actually number one, I said number two. I want you to fill in number one with me. It says this, prayer is, and there's a big old blank or a question mark or something out there, whatever it is, a, a lady thinking. She goes to another church somewhere. Prayer is, won't you take just a moment and jot something down there? In your humble opinion, what is prayer? What does it mean to you? Along those same lines, let me ask you this. Do you pray? We know what it is. We can define it, perhaps. Do you pray? And that begs the question, does it not? How do you pray? Perhaps, how often do you pray? And I do want to put that before you this morning, New Life Community Church. How do you pray? And how often do you pray? Would you be one of those who says, I pray every day. I turn towards certain areas and I just pray every day, certain times. Or would you have to be one of those who says, well, Pastor Terry, I don't know that I can say I pray every day, but I pray frequently. Pastor, please tell me that Christmas and Easter is frequent. Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, please bring me. I guess you could call that prayer. 
Hey, it's sad but true. Many persons, even purported believers, though would say, yes, I am a follower of Christ. Sad but true, many of those people know what prayer is, and they can define it, at least in an elementary way, and yet they do not engage prayer. Consequently, they do not benefit from prayer. Check it out. Nor do their surroundings. You ever thought about that? Your prayers not only involve you. Your prayers not only cover you. Your prayers affect those around you, those in your circle, whoever, whomever that might be. The prayers that you pray affect people. The prayers that you do not pray could possibly affect people. Does that make sense to you? Those that do not pray cannot fully realize the benefit derived from it. That sounds comical, but it's true, even though they can define it. Will you consider with me? Let me just put a period on this uh, headed to an illustration. You hang on. Consider that it is possible to know what prayer is and yet fail to avail yourselves of the benefit of it. You never know what's coming out of these bags, do you? Somebody tell me what this is. Say it out loud, I can't hear you. It's a hammer. What do you know about these things? Can somebody tell me? I mean, just looking at this for the first time, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a gun owner. In fact, I might be packing right now, so you better be careful. Uh, when I look at this, I'm like, oh, okay, so this thing's got a, a grip on it. Right? Is that the way you use this thing? It's not? Or maybe you know more about a hammer than I do. Which is the working end of this thing? I'm holding the working end of it. But the end that will work you is right here, right? Boy, I don't even remember learning to hammer. My daddy taught me how to hammer way back when. How many of you know that it's possible to own one of these and know what they do? And yet, never avail yourselves of it. I have one. I know what it does. I know which end of this thing to hold. But there it is. Is it going to do me any good in that bag? I know what you're thinking. Well, if you need it, you can get it out. You're exactly right. And thus describes a lot of people's prayer life. They know where it is if they ever need it. It's the old Spare tire, spare tire. They, they know which end of you, they know how to do it, but they're not doing it. And thus not deriving the benefit of it. How many of you know that hammer will lay right there from now on if I do not purpose to pick it up and do something with it? Are you listening? Now, I went in search of, in, into the Word of God, because you know I like to bring the Word of God to you on Sunday morning, not to thus saith the Reader's Digest or something to that effect, but I went in search of the first outline of prayer that is given in the Bible. And I didn't have to go very far. Thankfully, I didn't have to read the whole thing this week to find this out. Only three chapters in, and it's our text passage. Look at that once again. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, it tells us this. 
And, and I have to reemphasize this to you. Pardon me for getting a little bit out of line this morning. But we're told then the man, that was Adam, the man, and his wife, that was Eve. It was easy to tell the, the difference between the two because of certain appendages or lack thereof. This, this is not complicated. It's not. But the, the man and his wife, let me just say to you this morning, let me teach you this morning, in particular if you're a younger person or those that may be living by way or listening by way of live stream, that is God's purpose designed for marriage. There it is right there. He gave it to us early on in his word and he never changed his mind. Well, let's see what happened to this married couple. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God. That's interesting to me. When I come across phrases like that or sentences like that, I usually set the parking brake and I'm like, what do you mean you heard the sound of the Lord God? As he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and look at this, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? So they were playing hide and go seek. Look at the first part of verse 8. Heard the sound of the Lord God. Here's the first thing I want to put before you right here. They knew that sound. Whatever it was, they knew that sound. They had heard it before. They were familiar with that sound. Will you fill in number two? Let me ask you this. Are we, will you mark out we if it has we on your notes and put me? Are me familiar? Put your name, your initials. Am I familiar with that sound? What sound, Pastor Terry? The sound of the Lord God. Are you familiar with that sound? Hmm. Now, let me go about teaching you this this way. Stick with me or you will get lost. I know exactly where I'm going. I believe that the Old Testament prophet Elijah experienced what we're talking about. And you can read about it in 1 Kings chapter 19. If you mark your Bibles, I would encourage you to mark that and read that whole section on your own time. But verse 12 in the King James Version gives us this phrase that we hear a lot around the church if you've been around the church very, uh, very long at all, and it is this. It's a still, small voice. What in the world does that mean? I love the way the New Living Translation gives it to us. It's the sound of a gentle whisper. You understand that, don't you? sound of a gentle whisper. Elijah experienced that. Now, here's a little bit of a parenthesis. But once upon a time when Ahab, he was this wicked, evil king that lived during the time of Elijah. And he gave Elijah a fit, if you please. But Ahab once addressed Elijah by a sarcastic nickname. He nicknamed Elijah. He called him the troubler of Israel. 
Can you imagine if the king or the leader of the country would nickname you the troubler of the country? There's probably a reason for that. Let's see if we can find out why. Why did he call Elijah the troubler of Israel? It was simply because, watch this, simply because Elijah was admonishing the nation of Israel to follow the Lord God. Now, why would that be troubling to, to the leader? There's another reason why Ahab referred to Elijah as the troubler of Israel. It was because Elijah was a praying man. Oh, I wonder if you passed away today and Pastor Terry was preaching your funeral, if he'd say, you know what, that brother, that sister, everybody at New Life Community Church knows they were a praying person. Boy, oh, Ahab knew that about Elijah. In fact, listen to this. James tells us over in the New Testament, he talks about Elijah. Elijah's reputation continued on. And we're told that Elijah was a man just like us, Brother Logan. He's probably more like you than me because i got a feeling he was strong. Big, good-looking, strong fella. We're told he was a man just like us. And then we're told that Elijah prayed fervently. Oh, maybe we're getting down to the nitty-gritty now. This was the problem that this leader of the nation had. Uh, Elijah's praying, beloved, was of the kind that did not sync up with Ahab's own prayers. Let me tell you why. Because Ahab's praying mimicked the prayers of most persons today. It started with Ahab and it ended with Ahab. And he didn't like this guy praying these fervent prayers, these prayers that started somewhere else and on behalf of someone else. I'm going back to Mr. Bounds. It's real easy to quote him, and he says this, much too often our prayers, our prayers operate in the arid region of mere wish. Think about that. Our prayers operate... In the arid, the region of a mere wish, our own agenda. Something very significant is pointed out in 1 Kings chapter 19. We read around verse 9, And the word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. Now what's significant about that? Let me take you back to our text passage, Genesis chapter 3. We also read there, the Lord God called to the man. Listen to those two. The word of the Lord came to him, came to Elijah. The Lord God called to the man. In the case of Genesis, the man, Adam. Now, I took you there to tell you this. This highlights something that I believe is very key in terms of understanding the true nature of prayer. The true nature of prayer has its genesis with, has its beginning with God. It is God Almighty that draws man, mankind unto himself that initiates true prayer. 
Now, before going on, let me call your attention to Matthew 11 and 28. Listen to this, talking about an invitation. Matthew 11, 28 says this, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Or I'm, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, I've got my glasses all crossed up. Are you with me? Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, here's what it says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. What I want you to see is that it says, come to me. This is Jesus speaking. And Jesus says to the body of Christ, come to me. It's an invitation. You understand where it initiated? And then I was getting ahead of myself a little bit. There's some instruction given in Hebrews that mimics or mirrors this in some respects. Hebrews 4 and 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. The old version says with boldness. Why? So that you may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Pastor Terry, who is that written for? Beloved, it's written for every generation. And not only every generation, but each soul within every generation. Whosoever will may come and whosoever will has been called. I believe that. It would be very difficult for me to be in pastoral ministry if I didn't believe that. Beloved, we're going to cut in right there. There's more. There's a back half to this particular part of the teaching. We'll look forward to sharing that with you perhaps next week. But let me conclude uh, this evening, this particular teaching, by asking you this. Have you discovered the truth that prayer is not just something you do, but something you respond to? What do I mean by that? Have you learned to steal your spirit, to get still before the Lord in order to spend some time listening for and responding to Him, not just spouting off what your eyes see or your ears hear or your senses happen to pick up on and then remind you of something that you want or need? How do you respond to God in prayer? There is a deeper level of prayer than just seeing things, just realizing you have some needs and shouting that out to God, a deeper level. And that's what we're talking about here, and I trust you'll get this. Now, I want you to know I'm not talking about something creepy or something that's just reserved for the certain elite uh, among the church or the body of Christ, but I believe that this is what God wants everyone to experience. Truly, a relationship with Him that gets down to the nitty-gritty of a, uh, the conversational level of everyday living. There's more to be said. I'm not going to re-preach it to you right now, but we'll look forward to sharing that with you. Let me pray for you again. Father, I thank you for each one listening, and I pray that everyone listening, first of all, would establish a relationship with you through Jesus Christ, your Son, your one and only Son. May they know that is the way to you. And I pray that you'd help us all to develop that deep level prayer life where we not only speak, but we take the time to listen and respond to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, let me remind you before I get out of here that New Life does have a regular schedule of activity Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, our primary worship celebration. And listen, friends, it is imperative that you connect with the body of Christ a church body where the Word of God is taught and there's fellowship going on. People will literally embrace you 
and uh, get to know you and care for you and give you an opportunity to care for them. Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. We also have midweek activities, primarily revolves around our adult small group ministry. That's Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. There's something going on for the children. There's a ton of that. And uh, our ES5 youth group as well. Just a lot of great things taking place here. And we'd love to involve you. Contact information is there on the screen. Give us a holler and be encouraged uh, to like uh, these videos. If you are watching New Life Telecast on YouTube or a reasonable facsimile thereof, uh, please be encouraged to click on that little logo down there in the corner. It will help us to uh, continue to put forth the Word of God to the community. I'm Terry Knight, and the pastor of New Life Community Church. Trust you're going to have a great day, what's left of it. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back? <laughs>